This is Tommy Brandt, and you're listening to The First Deal Show. Welcome to The First Deal Show with your host, Caroline with a K. On this show, we're talking about investors' first investment property. Join me for a trip down memory lane as we hear the good, bad, and ugly of that first deal. This is Caroline with a K here with a very special guest, Tommy Branch, who is a recovering electrical engineer and data science ter- data scientist turned full-time real estate investor. He started TV Capital Group as a tool to buy real estate with family, friends, and partners. He helps busy professionals accelerate their wealth passively through real estate investing, and his goal is to help others achieve ultimate freedom. He is an owner of long-term rentals, short-term rentals, and apartments, invested in a total of 353 units with a very nice price tag of over $33 million in assets. So, welcome, Tommy. Hello, hello. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. I'm super stoked to get to know you better. And as you may know, we're going to start off with the Kiss Me segment. This is where we ask you some personal questions to get you ready to talk about the nitty gritty of your first deal. So Tommy, what was the first album that you purchased? Uh, I listened to a lot of alternative growing up. So it probably offspring. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite song off that track or the album? Um, It's too long ago. Yeah. It's it's forever. Well, not (laughs) only that, but probably inappropriate. (laughs) Their line of music and, um, word choice there but got it okay yeah next question what was the biggest challenge that held you back from investing in real estate my my limiting beliefs in real estate investing that really kind of slowed everything down was that i needed to do everything myself and so after after letting go and building a team um and leaning on the you know the expertise and and leveraging others um, that's when i really started to take off Hmm. That's a great point, 402. Remember that we don't have to control and do everything. And what's something new that you learned or did during the pandemic that others might not know about you? I, I don't think it's really well known, but even uh, um, amongst my close friends, but I got married during the pandemic. Like you had a full throttle wedding or like no, what? We, we just did a, a courthouse wedding. And like the courthouses we- were open? We went to, it was, it was a county in a suburb of Denver. It was near like Colorado Springs and we uh-huh. self-solemnized, which means that we are our own witness. We didn't need to bring anyone, um, but we had what? been engaged for like a year and a half at oh. that point. And we were just like, all right, let's just, let's formalize our union, you know, in, in the eyes of others. And uh, so, yeah, we went and we, we made it a trip. So we went to see some friends in Colorado Springs and then we went to the national park entrance and um, it went from there being wildfires in Longmont to snowing the next day. And that's, I, I'm told that's average for, you know, swings in temperature for Colorado. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. Wait, wait. So during the pandemic, you guys are like, oh yeah, let's um solidify this union and then you guys were your own witnesses yeah <laughs> what or, or the you could argue the courthouse was a witness to our <laughs> union so, uh, wait so then you guys actually like 
wait, wait. So you went into the courthouse? Like the courthouse was open? It wasn't closed during the pandemic? Yeah, it was September of 2020. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Oh. <laughs> There's no video. I'm my uh, podcast is just audio. For sure. So I, I have a, uh, a nice wedding ring on my finger. Um, yeah. <laughs> for the visual there, everyone imagine it. Yes, yes, guys. Picture nice fifty million carat. I don't even understand. My coworker was telling me that he bought his um, fiance a, an engagement ring, or he's you know in the process of getting it mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't even understand what these letters mean or what you know creating and all this other stuff it's like a foreign language so yeah. you know props <laughs> to you guys for having to learn that and like you know get it to your wives or for sure we're, we're gonna have like a uh you know a, a gathering eventually to kind of celebrate it um and we're gonna turn it into like a past tense wedding and so it'll be like, you know, Tommy, did you take Michelle to be your lawfully wedded wife? And I can be like, I did. <laughs> oh, so, cool. More to work on that. <laughs> yeah. So what, you guys didn't want to wait? Like you're engaged for a year and a half. Did you already have plans to have the wedding and then it just got nixed because of COVID? We, we didn't even get that far, honestly, oh. to, to do like the wedding plan. So we didn't, it's not like we lost anything really, but um, it was more like we wanted, we were impatient and wanted to tear off the bandaid and we didn't want circumstances to hold us back anymore. Mm. So, yeah, that's fair. That's awesome. We, you know, we, you, back then you didn't know when anything was going to go back to normal. And so when looking back, it's like, okay, we could have pushed it back a year, but in the middle of it, it's just like, let's, you know, today is the day. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fair because I mean, who would have thought that we would be in these conditions now of like kind of COVID and things are open and where people are half wearing masks. I mean, at least in New York, like I'm not sure about in the South, it's, you know, everywhere is a little bit different, but right. Um, cool. And so finally, what is your favorite quote? Um, mostly related to probably grit and persistence and resilience. Um, there, there's a, a funny movie by Andy Sandberg where he's a rock star and, and he has a saying called keep on keeping on. Mm. And so I, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's top of mind right now. So just keep on keeping on. Awesome. All right. So Tommy, where are you based out of? I'm based out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. And is that where you're primarily investing? Uh, yeah, Middle Tennessee in general is, is definitely a strength of mine. Um, but I'm looking anywhere from Louisville down to Huntsville. Obviously, Nashville is in that route as well. And then uh, East Tennessee as well. So Chattanooga and Knoxville are kind of too good to ignore. Mm, okay. And so that's more or less all the questions. We've wrapped up the Kiss Me segment. You're a little bit warmed up. You're more comfortable. So now let's get into your first deal. So I know you've got a juicy little story that you've been prepping over there. So let's get into it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And, and I'll prep it by um, just kind of giving a little bit of the, the history um, and my experience into real estate investing. So uh, when I was a sophomore in college, this was 2006, I'm dating myself. Um, I worked for my friend's dad, who is a general contractor. And it was his, it wasn't his job, but one of the things that he did was to make mobile homes rent ready. And wow. this is back when I'm in middle Georgia at the time. And the we probably touched about 60 to 75 homes, just making them all rent, rent ready within a summer. And so that that's really moving um, pretty quickly, but about 15% of that demographic was post eviction. And so, so 
when you say rent ready, do you mean like property management company comes in and then preps it or like what? Can you um, find that? We're installing like, like new blinds, new eyes for the stove, cleaning the fridge. Um, so just everything um, before the marketing component of doing repairs, you know, rehab, whatever needs to be done. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, you know, given that you are walking into some post eviction, um, you know, it's, it's, there's like trash everywhere. There's, there's used diapers in one corner, there's hypodermic needles in another corner. Um, you know, the, the utilities have been cut off for weeks and, you know, there's a fridge full of food and it's just disgusting. And, you know, you're playing the game with, with someone else, like who, who's going to open the fridge, not it. <laughs> um, and so it, it, yeah, that two things came out of that. And yeah. so one, I would say a lot of character. And then two is just the ability to visualize what a, a finished product is mm. uh, through, through all the clutter. And so fast forward, you know, I've graduated Georgia Tech. I'm an electrical engineer. I'm working for a company. Um, it's 2011. And there's a house that I just am poking around on, on Zillow. And I see a house that's grossly undervalued real, relative to all its neighboring houses. And, and there's a good reason for that. But um, I ended up closing on this house. It was a short sale. Wait, wait, hold on. Hold, before we get okay. into the short sale. So you said that you were work in college and you're working for your friend's dad. Why in the world would you decide, hey, your dad's uh, cleaning all these mobile homes. Let me just, you know, let's strap our boots and go do that. Why? Can I just poke there? What? Yeah, why did I, I choose to do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, like. Well, it was more like I chose to work for my friend's dad and, you know, oh. that just like, you know, sometimes we were, we were cutting grass for other people. And sometimes we would go into a Nike store and install shoe shelves. And then sometimes we do all these random things, but largely he just, he had a significant contract with a, uh, you know, mobile home property manager. And uh, we found ourselves there a large part of the summer. Oh, got it. Okay. So there, there was a number of odd jobs and, and it was all just, you know, a great learning opportunity and just, just fun given who you're working with. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that that's kind of how it, how it happened. I, I wouldn't, you know, it's not like he interviewed me and said, you know, what's your experience <laughs> doing renovations and rehab? And by the way, do you like cleaning up insert word here? Um, you know, but it's just like, you know, we, we rose to whatever the demand that he had um, oh. and we just helped him out. Got it. Okay. You can keep going now. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, yeah. And so the house, it was a, it was a short sale. Um, my realtor probably thought it was crazy. Um, but I hit up the realtor that was on Zillow representing the property and I said, I wanted it. And she said, well, it's under contract currently. Can I show you around some other houses? I said, okay. And so we went looking at four other houses and, and, you know, the Nashville submarkets and, and I kept finding myself comparing, the houses that we we're looking at to other houses or, you know, to, to that main house, you know, that just needed a whole bunch of work and had the, you know, a bulging ceiling over the garage and, and the pool was, you know, solid black and the pool houses had no foundation. I was just like, that's the one I want, <laughs> you know, she's like, really? And so she's like, all right, well, you know, if that contract falls out, we can get yours in. I said, okay, great. Um, two, two failed contracts later, my offer gets accepted. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like yes! the, the resilient. You wanted it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I had to actually do some repairs before we could execute closing. 
Um, and so they were, they were like, you need to paint the faces. You need to repair the drywall. That's, you know, bulging in the, the garage. You need to do this, do this and do this. And I think they expected me to just hire someone to do it and show them uh, a receipt. Uh-huh. But I was just like, I, I was like, I literally want a project and you know, it, it starts when it starts. And so I was doing the repairs even before I had closed on it. Um, which is, is kind of interesting. Difficult? Yeah. Like I, don't the owners normally do that kind of stuff? Well, with it being a short sale, the bank was the owner. Oh, and they wanted you to fit. So who did you get financing or did you buy all cash? Um, no, I, I got it financed. So it was an FHA loan, uh, but I paid 3% down. So it was 125000 to close. It was actually 100. It was listed for 100. And then after the second failed contract, they bumped the price up to 125. And um, I, I was furious about that, actually. <laughs> Um, so anyways, we still closed, you know, I think I, I had a, a closing check of like $7,000 to buy this home, you know, so it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, so we closed and then I guess, uh, there was a friend of mine that I got a job up at the company that I worked for and he became my roommate. Hmm. We were, we were actually roommates in college and, um, I got him a job in middle Tennessee. He moved from Georgia to Tennessee and wow. it started paying my mortgage while I was doing the repairs. That's awesome. So, but I'm still not understanding, like, why did the bank tell you to fix up the place in order for um, that? Oh, it's only for, because FHA has certain requirements? Like, what's right. the... Yeah, yeah. So, that it was just like, whatever was like, you know, potentially a safety concern or, okay. you know, stuff like that. So, the, the fascia had like raw, raw wood being exposed, uh, right? So, they're like, paint it to preserve the wood. Um, or it was just like, there was a leak in the, in the roof over the garage and it was just like kind of a saggy, um, you know, piece of drywall. They're like, you know, this needs to be repaired. And I was like, well, I'm not going to repair the roof, but I'll replace the drywall and make it look repaired. You know, so (laughs) things like that. Okay. Okay. So for the 402 listening with FHA loans, just like VA loans, they have more stringent requirements when you're buying the property to make sure that you can live there because technically you bought it. Well, you did, you ended up living in the property, um, but it's not just an investment that, you know, you can just buy it and like, it's all dilapidated and it's a bad place. Like you can't live there. It's inhabitable, but yours was after you fixed it. Correct. Yeah, I think the appraiser came back out like three or four times just to make sure like they were done. You oh, know, wow. they, they were representing the bank. And okay. so there's there's like two times he came out and it's like, you forgot something. And I'm like, could you be more specific? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I was thanks. just like, huh. so that, that was that was an experience uh, in itself, but all good. Yeah, but you survived. So you came out on top. So you got your friend, he comes out, he lives in it with you. So how long did you end up staying there? And, you know, where? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And with the financing, like, um, have you paid that off or you, do you still own the home or have you sold it? Like what? Yeah, I'll, I'll get into all of that. Um, okay. there, there's probably a couple, um, a couple, uh, stories I could tell, uh, along okay. the way. So the, was the very first week that, uh, we, had, so the week after we closed, we're moving in, we're cleaning every single square inch of the house. We've got a shop facts going, we've got, you know, bleach and, and water mixtures and we're cleaning all the tubs, um, scrubbing, right. Just making it ready for us to, to move in. And I remember I was in the guest bathroom and I was just, I was scrubbing the tub 
but you know, so right next to the tub was the toilet and then there's the kind of toilet, there's the corner in between there. And so I kind of leaned into the corner as I was scrubbing the tub Mm -hmm. and my foot went through the floor into the crawl space. (gasps) And, and there's just like this piece of dangling subfloor and tile and stuff like that. And uh, so I had effectively poked a hole in the ground by just, you know, existing uh, on top of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so there was uh, the, the corner between the tub and the toilet. There's just, you know, people were getting out of the shower and there was no caulk and it was just obvious neglect and, and all this. So um, the subfloor was rotted out and, it, you know, just effectively kind of caved in. So um, I had it in my plans to, you know, retile the bathroom. But yeah. I didn't expect it to be that urgent. And so there, there, I had to shift my timeline a little bit with what projects I wanted to do. Um, out, you know, the, outside of that, um, there was four, is a four bed, two bath. There was a pool in the back and then there were pool houses in the back. And on paper, that probably sounds amazing. Yeah. You know, the, but like I said, the pool houses had no foundation. Um, the, so we, we basically just, knock those off and haul them away. The The pool was solid black when I got it. There was no tarp over there. And then there was like this massive, you know, oak trees growing from my neighbor's yard towering over the pool. And so it was actually just filled with leaves. Oh. Um, th- there's probably like five or six different species of animals that's been in that pool oh um, just in the time that I lived there. Like there was a, a turtle, there's a creek across my neighbor's yard. So there's a turtle, there is a woodchuck, um, there's been a, a, you know, a dog in there, um, squirrel, birds, uh, so number of, of different animals are, have been attracted to that body of water, but we actually got that pool up and running in time. Like if we closed in May and by like July and August, it was, it was ready to swim in. It was clean. Oh. You, could, you could actually see the bottom. And so, um, we hustled to get that pool up and running. Uh, you, you can imagine, you know, a bunch of guys in their mid twenties wanting to enjoy an afternoon at the pool, like every day after work. But yeah. So hold on. You said that you convinced your buddy that you roomed with in college to come mm-hmm. down or you helped him get a job. And then mm-hmm. he's, he's like, okay, great. Yeah. I'll come move in with you, Tommy. And then you had this guy working with you all summer while he's paying your mortgage. <laughs> He, he didn't work with me a lot in the beginning. Whoa. It was like, it was new and it was fresh and he helped me pull the tile up in the bathroom. But most of the time I was working like after work and he oh. was watching, you know, like anime or cartoons or, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and like, you know, he, there was plenty of times where he was just like eating like a bowl of cereal, like uh-huh. watching me work. <laughs> <laughs> like what, I mean, what you doing? <laughs> oh, but you know what? That, pa- that just, highlights to me your leadership ability to be able to convince someone to come and move out with you <laughs> and have them at least like help you start out the project because that's what leaders are right you're influencing others to work on your mission so good job that's awesome motivate and inspire yes sure <laughs> for sure okay. and um, so um a, a little bit along the way um so if there was four beds two baths i was I was kind of like rotating what room I was sleeping in and, and like, you know, painting new carpet in whatever the ones weren't occupied. Um, yeah. So, so my roommate and I, we were like rotating ar- around the house as we were touching up rooms. This guy was really flexible. That's a great roommate. Like he I have was. to, yeah. Like props to him for being really ready and willing to like move around with you. Are you guys still in touch today or is that a sour subject? I shouldn't ask about that. <laughs> Um, I, I reach out, you know, sometimes he doesn't respond. 
but oh. uh, <laughs> I don't blame him. But wow, props to him for like you know going out there and experiencing something with you. That's sure. pretty cool. We we lived together in college, and so we kind of knew like the the best of the best and the worst of the yeah. worst of each other. And so you know we saw each other as tolerable. Yeah. You know, under all circumstances, you know, and, and but for the most part, we got along really well. Oh, that's nice. Okay, so you get this pool ready, then what? For sure, yeah. So we, we got the pool ready and just kind of going through a couple seasons was, was pretty interesting. But um, I, I will, so every year, you know, I was, I was getting paid an engineer salary. So I was, I was probably, I was taking like, you know, a couple thousand dollars each year of take home and then putting it towards a project. So yeah. one year was just like, all right, let's replace all the hardwood in the common areas. And so it's just like, we'd rip out everything. And, and, you know, I, I would pay for uh, a contractor to do like the wooden flooring um, or mm-hmm. carpet replacement, stuff like that. I was mostly just doing the, the light rehab for the most part. So drywall touch-ups, paint, everything else um, where I, and I recognized throughout the process of if I had to do it, it would just take longer than I wanted. Yeah. Um, so around like year or two, I was starting to hire, you know, dedicated contractors to help. So I would save one year for new flooring. I would save another year for hardscaping in the back. Uh, I would save another year for, you know, kitchen remodel uh, and things like, and that just kind of went on and on and on. And, and then what it, that bathroom took up like six months of my life. And it was like, it was a roller coaster of, of being like, let's get after it. I'm super motivated. And then I would go through months and just like, I don't want anything to do with this. You yeah. know, it's just like, I mean, it's like, I don't know. It's, it was harder for me then to be, just do a little bit of consistent action versus, all right, let's knock this door frame out in a day and, and you know, repair it and drywall and do all this stuff. It, um, so it was, it, there was a lot of, um, I don't want to work on this this weekend, um, you know, and, the, and eventually I just I went through I was very cyclical with everything um, back then, actually. So varying levels of highly motivated to burnt out and then highly motivated again. And I mean, you come home and you see it and you're just like, ah, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> so but around like your year five or so is I could have sold, you know, I, I think looking back on it, I, I would have loved to have refinanced and pulled some equity out and go buy more rental properties and stuff of that sort. But I really missed an opportunity. Um, back then I was drinking a lot of the Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid where it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, pay the house down and you're like, don't get a mortgage, have zero debt. And so I, you know, I didn't have any car payments for the longest time. And, and every bonus I got was either towards a project or paying off the mortgage, like just throw a principal at it and so if you want to fast forward from 2011 to 2020 was whenever we liquidated the property mm-hmm. um we replaced all the windows in the last year we actually we had to get some foundation work done um just because of where where water was going or wasn't going um and then we actually re-excavated a couple parts to just make sure water was flowing away from the house and not just puddling up against the side um and then we ended up selling in 2020 for it was it was 282. Oh wow! So we sold that one. So we probably we probably put just under a hundred into it. I think we I think we went extra with some of the foundation work that we needed done. Um, I didn't pay for a new roof. Um, I filed an insurance claim and just probably paid an increased premium, you know. But um, I, I was I was actively waiting for a storm. <laughs> to come through because I didn't, I didn't want to pay for a roof. Oh, okay. And, um, 
so wow so you held on to it for almost what like 10 years nine years yeah. it was a it was an eight-year hold so I, I call it a slow live-in flip house hack before i knew what those words were you know yeah. it's just kind of kind of doing those um and that was that was where i guess after we sold that um it's kind of true what they say more money more problems i was like you know I, like what do i what do i do with with this mm-hmm. uh with the proceeds from this and so that's where just after that it was like all right let's get educated and you would think with the the wealth i had made in real estate i would have turned towards real estate but i was like all right let me let me look at day trading let me look at stocks like like an idiot you know so i I read books written by fund managers just trying to get educated in space you know trying to see what applications and stuff were used for for day trades or tracking this that and the other but after getting educated my takeaway was to just buy etfs and don't look at it for 30 years Uh. and i I was like okay well that's that's cool but that doesn't really like align with the trajectory that i want for you know financial freedom this that and the other and so then I, i came across um rich dad poor dad um, bigger pockets community and, and got educated on analyzing rental properties. And then shortly after that, uh, I think we, I don't know, we analyzed probably like 30 or something. Um, and then I was able to buy stuff off the MLS, just a couple base hits, one County over from Nashville. And so I closed on three single families in a six month time period. Nice. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I tried going back to my limiting belief of, I had to do everything. Um, I, for the, the, so I closed on two on the same day it was kind of like my, my appetite for risk, um, at that point, <laughs> I mean, you know, for taking action. Yeah. And so, but they, they were townhomes. They were, you know, low, low dollar purchases, um, uh, relatively speaking. And so, um, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do these light repairs, get them rent ready. And then I'm going to do the marketing and we're going to take pictures and, and it's going to be great. And then that's when we got married and then just the, the holding, I mean, not to say like my, my relationship was a distraction. It wasn't, but it was hard to, to move forward in, in the rentals and trying to get them rented out and take phone calls over lunch while you're working full time. And, you know, uh, and, you know, still blossom in a, in a beautiful relationship with my wife. And so, um, I eventually hired a property manager just to kind of do the right thing. And, um, you know, w- within a week they had it listed, you know, I'm just like, oh, gosh, like, why didn't I do this before? I, I had like almost two months of holding costs on two houses. And I was just like, I am dying over here. <laughs> oh, Tommy. Tommy. Oh, Tommy. Uh, yeah. And then whenever I got the third one, um, mm-hmm. like I was walking the property with my realtor, with the property manager on the day before closing. And, you know, my property manager is like, you know, like, what do you want to do? You know, recognizing, you know, that I, I sometimes find um, joy in doing some of the repairs. He's like, what do you want to do? Um, and we'd made the list of like, you know, nine or 10 things. I was like, I want this done, this done, this done, this done. He's like, so what did this do you want to do? I said, nothing. I want nothing to do with it. I wanted to get out of your way as soon as possible. And we had it, we had a, we had it rented, um, mm-hmm. in less than a month. It was like three weeks. Nice. And I thought I was, you know, in my mind, I was budgeting for a month of, of holding costs after we acquired, but within less than a month, we had a, a tenant in there. That's awesome. So moral of the story 402 is hire immediately because you do not want to create another job for yourself when you're 20 and have lots of time. Okay. But after some time of the cyclical cycle of Tommy's, uh, real estate journey, you can learn that when you hire it's, uh, no sweat off your back and then you don't have to cover holding costs for a long time, which is always nice. 
for sure for sure and yeah. if you want to if you want to talk about like the evolution after that um yeah. i think it's worth touching on yeah sure uh, so af after that, um, I bought three base hits off the MLS. They actually, I mean, given the, the middle Tennessee market and what happened with interest rates, I basically made my down payment back just off of appreciation in less than a year. I know that's kind of like not normal, um, but all that to say is like, you know, hard assets ended up being a good investment. Um, but after that, I, I took a look at my, my quote unquote, my net worth calculator yeah. And I was like, all right, you know, how's my, my trajectory now, you know, based on my goals and where I want to be in five years. And I was like, I'm still not getting there quick enough. Um, my, the conclusion that I drew was that I needed more doors and less driveways. Mm. And so I started looking at small multifamily. I got turned on to apartment syndication and, you know, you can, where you can passively invest or put together a team that actively runs the deal and finds the deal. Um, stuff of that sort. And so within a year, um, I invested in two apartment syndications, one in Louisville and then another in uh, Decatur, Alabama. Uh, and I actually left my job to start an apartment syndication business. So that's my day job now is I'm full-time real estate investor um, focused on multifamily syndication. Um, and then I, I let myself get distracted by a short-term rental in Florida too. So I self-manage there. Can't seem to let it all go, Tommy. Yeah, I had a, I had a real battle with myself. Um, you know, I was like, for the short term rental, at least, I was like, is this, is this shiny thing syndrome? Like, am, <laughs> am I getting distracted? Am I letting myself get distracted? And um, you know, my my conclusion was that knowing how to operate an apartment as a short term rental is becoming a thing. Um, so if you can operate one building as short-term stays, you know, nightly or weekly, whatever, um, you, you tend to get more per dollar per month, right, for net operating income. And I was like, it's good for me to know, to have that exposure at least of how to operate it as a short-term rental. And so I see that as being complimentary. If I was doing self-storage and then I was like, I'm going to get a short-term rental now. And, you know, I feel like then that would be shiny thing syndrome. But for me to be focused on multifamily and my markets and to get a short term rental, like, you know, Na Nashville is short termable um, yeah. if it's if it's commercially zoned, I would say. Um, but anyways, I'd say that it's complimentary and it's it's OK. I, I allowed it to happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Awesome. So uh, really nice stories, very decorated and great learn learning lessons that the Faro two can take away from your story. Uh, where, what are some, well, what's one piece of advice, right? Like you kind of touched on this in the beginning, but if you could go back in time, like what's one thing that, you know, knew you, um, that you might've done differently or one piece of advice that you could give to the Faro two. For sure. And, and I would say one is just kind of like how to know how to tap into your net worth. Um, how to how to access capital. So if a deal fell in your lap today and and someone's like, hey, I can give you a million percent ROI, you know, but you need to act on it. Um, you know, like what what capital can you assemble? Um, for me, it was like getting educated on knowing what I could borrow against my 401k or take, you know, the ability to take a HELOC against my home or the cash value life insurance policies. Um, 
you know, stuff like that. And you private lending in general. So just knowing like what capital is available if you end up finding a deal, um, how to find a deal, you know, I, I can't really help you. That takes work and, and knowing your market. So in, in the statement there, but as far as advice goes, um, I, I tell everyone else like, you know, get it, get educated, take action and, and build a team, you know, partner with other people. And so getting getting educated by itself has diminishing returns. Um, so that's why you have to take action. There's some education in the action. Um, and then you have to partner with people so that you're not doing it by yourself so that you can focus on your superpower and your three uniques um, that, that make you amazing and, uh, you know, scale from there. Absolutely. And if the 402 is interested in learning more about you and if they want to figure out, you know, what is your secret and how they can get involved with your company, what are some avenues that they can touch base with you? Sure. Yeah, a couple different ways. So I'm, I'm definitely on LinkedIn and Facebook. And if there's uh, any interest in, in learning more about the multifamily investing, um, I wrote a book on that. It's called The Passive Investor's Guide to the Multifamily Universe. And so that is on tbcapitalgroup.com. Again, that's tbcapitalgroup.com. And uh, if you want to just, you know, um, get on the, the phone with me or just chat with me. My calendar is actually also on there as well. So tbcapitalgroup.com forward slash connect. We'll take you to my calendar. Yeah, anyone can grab 30 minutes there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tommy, for coming on the show. I really appreciate the time and I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much, Carolyn with a K. Yeah, that's all folks. 402. Did you learn something or take away a golden nugget? Then I'd love it if you would share this episode with a friend. And I'd really also like to talk to you about real estate on Instagram or LinkedIn. So follow me at First Deal Show. If you know someone that has an amazing first deal story, or you just want to give us the dirt on your first deal, shoot me an email at firstdealshow at gmail.com and let's get you on the show. 402, thank you so much for listening. I love all of you and I will see you next Friday.